This podcast is brought to you by MyScoreIQ. MyScoreIQ services are here to help you be prepared when it comes to making big financial decisions, such as buying or refinancing your home or purchasing that new car. Try it out for only $1 for a seven-day trial. You'll receive your FICO scores from all three major credit bureaus, along with active credit report monitoring and alerts for changes to your credit report and possible suspicious activity. My Score IQ services can help you be in the best position possible when you take that step to apply for a home or auto loan, all for $1 for a seven-day trial. Visit MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd to learn more. That's MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd. Welcome back to the Talking Stocks podcast. It's what we do. Joe and Todd with you here as always. Todd, happy Friday. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well, Joe. Uh, looks like you're in, in, in a new digs. I am once again. Um, you know, I, I like to change my environment every week. Keep our keep our YouTube viewers on their toes. Where the heck is he this week? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm on a little vacation this week down in South Carolina, um, pretending that it's warmer than it really is. It's only about 66 here right now, but it's certainly a little bit warmer than it is in New Hampshire. So happy to be here. And well, I'm, yeah. I'm sure all of our listeners appreciate the fact that you're taking time out on your vacation to chat some, to talk some stocks. Absolutely. It's a working vacation for certain. So I want to, I want to jump right in because it's, it's been, it's been one, one heck of a week and I, I'd say it's been one heck of a week in a good way for once. Um, so I, I want to follow up on our uh, Coinbase discussion from last week. So it seems like after, after the price had kind of started to, had really started off just plummeting at first, that it's, it may be bottoming out now. Um, so we're recording this Friday at 1 p.m. And yeah, at the moment, it's up slightly. So curious to hear what you think about that, Todd. Are we, are we getting to, are we getting to a, a trough here or is there more, more left to run down? Yeah, if listeners didn't uh, tune into last week's episode uh, where we talked a little bit more in depth about Coinbase, really ought to, because in that episode, we talked a little bit about those IPO, the IPO data where, you know, so many, I think it's 80%. Uh, of IPOs, new listings undercut um, their their I you know their their first day trading price, and sure enough, we've seen that with Coinbase. And I mean that was there was one of the main reasons that you know if you can't get allocated, if your account size isn't big enough to get allocated, or you have a direct listing situation like Coinbase, you're probably best off just walking away that first day and just saying, yep, let it trade where it's going to trade, and then I'll come back and I'll revisit it some of the time. Um, you know, you see this with Coinbase right now, where you had the stock go as high as 400 and wow, 420, 427, um, and now trading at 294, that myst mystical reference price that they had said uh, 250 that still, you know, hasn't hasn't touched, you know, um, and I probably wouldn't pay much attention to that. So I, I guess that, you know, if you look at some other stocks that have IPO and you look at Airbnb, for example, and you can see, Joe, that IPO day spike, we're looking, if you're uh, listening on Spotify, we also post these on YouTube and you can just find us on YouTube by uh, searching for Limelight Alpha Talking Stocks. 
you'll be able to track to see these charts that I'm showing on the screen right now. But anyways, you see that first day spike, and then of course it retreats over the course of the next, oh, I don't know, looks like about five days or so. Five days, yeah, roughly five days or so. And then you get that big rally up. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't, I think that we could be getting, a, we could get similar action there because you saw a really big sell-off this past week in Bitcoin itself. And I'm looking at the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust right now, which is GBTC is the, is the ticker symbol. And you can see how this got up to 55 or so on this recent rally, which was about a 63,000 print on um, Bitcoin itself. And then we've retreated since then to about 40, which is what, uh, 10, 15, you know, 20, good solid 20 plus percent uh, retreat from the high and you're at the bottom end of this channel. And I actually, today I went out and I just, you know, I do this crypto experiment where I'm just sort of building up a little bit of exposure to some different cryptocurrencies to sort of get a feel for how they trade and how they act. And uh, I went out today and actually bought some of this in my IRA. Um, so I don't have to worry about any tax consequences. Um, so I get the, I bought a little bit of the GBTC earlier today, just to see if we hold this part of the channel. Theoretically, coin could, if Bitcoin finds its footing, coin may also find its footing. I mean, it's kind of silly to think that because, you know, they're going to make money on transactions in and out right now. That's the way their business is set up. A lot of their money is coming from commissions on those. So they are making commissions just from the increased activity of people selling. But I think that just in people's minds, they may perception-wise be maybe saying, oh, Bitcoin down, bad, Coinbase down, bad. You know what I'm saying? So if one of those can find their footing, then maybe that's a positive for Coinbase. So I, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in Coinbase uh, right around here and then maybe put a, um, a stop loss underneath it that's not too far below in case you get stopped out, you could always go back and buy it again a little further down. I mean, there's no commissions to trade anymore. Um, yeah, that's the that's the beautiful thing about about the world we live in. Personally, yeah, so I'd you be, can control your risk relatively easily, and yeah, or or just can like I mostly Joe. We've talked about this in prior shows. I mostly control my risk by position sizing, right? Yep. Uh, by not al over allocating to one individual's stock. Like maybe my my target allocation on Coinbase is only going to be two to three percent. So maybe what I would do is I'd take a swing here uh, with maybe a third of that see how it behaves from here and then going into second, third, and then finally a, th a final third or, or whatever, depending on how the, how it trades. Yeah. Personally, I'd be looking to get in at a, at once it breaks past 300 again, just to, just to kind of be sure that it can rally a little bit. Um, and then you were, you mentioned the stop loss. Personally, I'd put that in maybe two, no lower than 250, probably 275. So moving on, um, we talked about the chip shortage last week. And if you, if you haven't listened to that, uh, I'm planning on putting out a short um, that's just about the chip shortage, either uh, this coming Monday or the following Monday. I have to, have to weigh my options between that or the Coinbase segment from last week, two really good ones. Uh, so I wanted to talk just not, not in quite as much depth because we have a lot to go on and I have a, I have a hard stop in a little while here about this lumber shortage. So Todd, have you heard anything anything about this? Some of the memes are hilarious. <laughs> instead yeah. of, instead, Joe, did you see the one that was, instead of trust fund, it's trust fund, <laughs> T-R-U-S-F? <laughs> 
that's a good one. One of the ones I saw, um, it must have been a week or two ago, was a picture of uh, of a, a flatbed tractor trailer truck with I I assume they were like railroad ties or something, and it and it said saw a bunch of gold bars going down the highway today. <laughs> Yeah, and, forget Bitcoin billionaires. I'm a lumber billionaire, you know. That's right. Yeah. So I've I've seen a couple of different um a, a couple of different stats about the price of lumber, but I think it's safe to say that it's gone up at least two hundred percent since say since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and again, this is one of those. This is just like the chip shortage, where there are all sorts of um, there are all sorts of global climate, socioeconomic, and pandemic-related factors that are going into this. So I'll just give like a super, just like I did with the, with the chip shortage episode, I'll just give like a super high-level overview, and then we can get into like what, what this is going to affect going down the road. So really um, started off with, un- unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, um, the Trump tariffs. Uh, Trump put a 25%, I believe it was, tariff on Canadian lumber. At some point, um, I can't remember now if it was in 2019 or 2020. So as you imagine, Canada, a lot of forest, a lot of lumber coming from there. Um, Canada also makes a lot of paper. So having a 25% tariff on that inherently raised the prices. Then, of course, we had an awful, awful wildfire season out west last year. I guess I, I never really realized it, but I guess the western United States produces a lot, a lot of lumber, just as the eastern United States does. You know, we're, Todd and I are based in New Hampshire, and so we've seen kind of the rise and fall of uh, the paper mill towns up in northern Maine and northern New Hampshire, where obviously there's a lot of uh, pine and birch forest up there. Um, and so those, uh, the record wildfire season last year led to obviously fewer, uh, fewer trees and so less supply available. And so uh, trickling, you know, trickling down, that affects all sorts of different things. And so obviously, lumber itself, which is goes into, uh, Todd, I know you've mentioned several times on the show, this boom in rural and suburban home building and home sales. And so for contractors who are looking to, to build homes, the price of lumber goes up by 200%. That's going to really, really affect their bottom line. And it's also going to affect the people who are who are buying these new homes or who are building homes themselves, and so we've talked about Home Depot and Lowe's and Tractor Supply Company in particular on on the show before, and those those three companies are are going to be interesting to watch throughout the summer and also throughout what could be even a worse wildfire fire season this year if that's even possible. So. Todd, I'm just curious to hear kind of what you think the play is on these companies. Is this going to is this going to help a company like Lowe's or Home Depot, or is this going to hurt them? Are the prices going to drive buyers away? I, I think honestly, normally what I shouldn't say normally. When I, one of the things that jumps to mind is the fact that remember when gas prices, oil prices, and everything went through the roof like I don't know five six years ago or whatever like that. 
Um, and what ended up happening is that you just had them get passed right through the, so you had fuel suture. So if you're in a transportation business, for example, you're in shipping, you pass those costs on to the company and made them eat it somehow. So that that cost continues to flow through the whole system. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I went to Home Depot and I had to buy some boards for my deck that were, well, the boards needed to get be replaced, right? So I think I paid like, you know, stupid amount of money, like 15 bucks for one board or something like that to, re to replace on my deck. And um, so, I mean, there, there's, there is, the question then is, okay, how much of that $15 is Home Depot having to eat any of that? Is there a search, you know, it's paying for the lumber, obviously, is it passing along that whole cost to me? I feel like it probably is. Am I not buying that piece of lumber because of that cost? No, it hasn't reached a point now where you know, my demand is going to shrink because of that cost. And to your point about, you know, home sales, I think we just saw new home sales come out and they're at the highest in, I want to say since 2006 was the headline that I saw. I think that's right. Yeah. So you've got new home sales just absolutely ripping right now. And that's with prices going up 10, 15. I don't know. I, you know, I'd have to look up and see what the actual year over year um, jump was in prices for the for, for the latest data, but the prices are rising, right? So the the contractor is by building the houses, he's paying more for the lumber, and the house costs are are rising. And you know, typically speaking, um, like the it was pretty, it worked out pretty well for the shippers to pass it along, and maybe it's going to work out well for Home Depot, maybe it's going to work out well for these these contracting companies, you know, these big ones, you know. Um, and stuff. So I, I think that the real question in my mind becomes, okay, well, as investors, you know, how should we be thinking about this? And I, you know, you can see in a couple different ways, you know, I have a chart up right now, Joe, Louisiana Pacific, uh, OSB siding engineered wood products for home construction, obviously um, going to be very tied to that. I mean, the revenue is up 60% year over year in the December quarter. And their earnings this year are expected to surge 71%. Symbol there is LPX and the stock flirting with uh, at least a 52 week high. Um, if you pull up, what was the other one I was thinking of? Oh yeah, pot, Potlatch. Yeah, Potlatch Deltic is another one. They own 1.8 million acres of Timberlands. They're a REIT. You know, their revenue is up 66% in the December quarter. And their earnings in 2021 are projected to rise 59% to $4.66. So obviously very good times for those businesses. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know how much more uh, these things can run because they are cyclicals. You should view them as rentals. Um, but there, right now, I don't think that we're at a point where the cost is actually changing behaviors. Yeah. So one of the things that one of the things that I read in a local news article that was a little bit old, but definitely is still applicable today, is that a lot of these a lot of these builders, home builders, they enter into contracts with their with their customers, whoever's building the home months before they actually begin construction and so there there could there are there are home builders out there who are who are just building homes now that they signed a contract for six months ago at an agreed upon price and so they're forced 
to build the home at that price. And in some cases, it ends up being a loss for them and it ends up being a pretty significant one. So it, it'll be interesting to see in another, in another few months if we, if we start to see like the, the volume of, of new home sales start to go down as the going rate for contractors goes up, right? It's the, it's the, classic, it, it's the classic supply and demand graph from, from macro econ. So that'll be interesting to watch. The other interesting thing to watch that was big in the news this week was the um, the anticipated Procter and Gamble price hike? And I wanted to touch on this because I saw some mis- misinformation going around, especially on my on my personal Twitter, about you know people were like, oh, these greedy people at Procter and Gamble, they're they all they want to do is increase dividends for their shareholders. Well, it's not that simple. First of all, they're only increasing their prices. To my knowledge, they're only increasing their prices on their paper products, so toilet paper, paper towels, napkins, etc. Now, of course, all of those things come from trees. And so they're just being forced to adjust to what's been an adjustment in their bottom line. So I think they're raising prices like eight or 9% on those things. I might be wrong about that, but I believe it was in the single digits. Um, so again, you start to see, you start to see this shortage trickle down and trickle out throughout the economy. And so I imagine that would also impact, you know, a, a company like Kimberly Clark or, you know, the, as well as of course the paper and lumber companies that you just brought up. Yeah. Kimberly Clark and Procter and Gamble trading down um, this week. And I think Kimberly Clark's was in response to its earnings, but I haven't had a chance to read through them. Uh, you know, and this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, Joe, in that inflation show that we did. We were talking about inflation. We were talking about business cycle and how, um, you know, if you if you look at 2021's performance, a lot of the winners really haven't been the 2020 winners, right? It's been a rotation towards some of these mid to late business cycle type uh, areas. I mean, if you look at things like, you know, copper stocks or steel stocks or, you know, some of these stocks that tend to, tend to do well when you're in an inflationary environment. Um, the big question eventually is going to be at what point does you know the Fed pull away the punch bowl with monetary policy, and you know I, mean, I think that no one's going to stop buying paper towels or toilet paper because of a seven percent increase, right? Because <laughs> you know you're all, what's your alternative? Maybe you'll go to you know uh, a, a, a less premier brand or something like that instead. But again, those are do- those dollars and cents. I mean. It, it, are chipping away at people's discretionary income in theory. Now, as long as wages continue to grow and they grow at a pace that's equal to whatever that inflation is, then they'll be all right, right? And we are at a, you know, the personal savings rate is near record highs. Um, Discretionary spending is looking very strong, obviously because of stimulus payments and because we are uh, having a lot of people come back to work uh, following the pandemic shutdowns and because wages are, increasing. But this is, again, this is why investors are starting to think about these things. They're looking forward, Joe, because they're, this is this is just the start of what we're likely to see as far as increasing in, in prices. This is just the start. And at some point, it will create a drag on the economy or uh, the Fed will have to step in to try and slow it down. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been, I've been doing my best to try to try to keep up with these things. But 
um, listeners and viewers, if you if there's if there are other um, shortages or potential price hikes that you're aware of, we'd love to hear about them because every one of these that, that we hear about kind of increases our our con our concerns and our focus on inflation. And you know, we'd be we'd be happy to go into some more detail about any of these other ones that may have implications that the that the ordinary investor isn't really thinking about so i will i will certainly keep my eye out in the next couple of months to see if there are more that start to happen i know i'm starting to hear about this um this terrible drought out west that's going to impact california and may start impacting agriculture out there this summer um, there's like a, a, there's a really, really horrific drought in Northern California now that's starting to impact wine production. It's just crazy. So again, the, the, the climate never, <laughs> never fails to, uh, dampen our, what am I trying to say? Dampen our, our, uh, disdain for certain industries. So I, I want to make sure I leave enough time for for your what might might be another mega smattering Todd at the end of the episode, but I I do just want to address one other um, one other big piece of news this week that also had an impact on the markets yesterday, which was the uh, proposed capital gains tax hike by President Biden. Um, so Todd, do you want to just give us the the details and? just kind of tell us how the S&P reacted to that yesterday. Yeah, I was laughing about this, Joe, because I was like, yeah, it, it leaked, mysteriously leaked. No, this is what they call a trial balloon. You know, <laughs> this is where they float it and they see what people's reactions are. And then they kind of sort of get a feel for, okay, this is what people think about it. And this is what, you know, this is kind of like the opening entry. I was joking in my, I teach the class how to talk stocks at the University of New Hampshire. And in this week's class, I was like, you know, it's kind of like when you go into buy a used car, you throw out your first offer and you just lowball it or whatever. In this case, it's a highball offer from the dealership itself saying, yeah, you want to pay our sticker price, right? Um, I, I would be shocked, shocked if this was actually something that became into law. I think that this is, there's a lot of negotiation that's going to go on from here. In what is has was leaked and again may not even end up being what is in any kind of a proposal at all uh, is that you would see capital gains taxes on people with $1 million in income or more, which amounts to I think maybe 0.003% of the people. It's like 500,000 people, I think yeah. tax returns that would be- can I, can I just interrupt there for a second? Because I, I couldn't figure out if that was for if that was for people, anybody who had an income from any source of a million dollars or more, or if it was just a million dollars or more in capital gains, do you have income. any idea? Any income. income. Okay. Income okay. is the way I read it. So it'd probably be on like your, on your taxes, it'd probably be on your adjusted gross income. I'm just guessing there. Okay. Um, you know, maybe if we have a tax professional who's listening and has a little bit more insight into it. Feel free to, you know, tweet us or put it into the, um, into the onto the YouTube comments section or something like that, give us a little bit more clarity. But my feeling would be on, that that's how that would play out. So again, relatively small. Uh, most of our listeners are probably not going to be impacted by this. But anyways, what would end up happening is that they would take the capital gains rate up to thirty nine point six percent, which um, I think was the high uh, highest level of of the tax brackets for income, normal income. 
um, which of course, if you add on the additional 3% tax for high net worth, uh, high income individuals tied to the healthcare reform bill back in 2010 or 11, that would get you up to a theoretical of 43% uh, tax on the capital gains, right? So that's that's what the proposal is. I think that, you know, the knee jerk, I, I, the other thing I said in the class is like, I, am I going to change my investment decision based upon? No. Okay. When taxes change, and if you go back over the course of the last 80 years, the tax rates have been all over the map. Yet the S&P has delivered a 10% annualized return over time. So am I going to not buy uh, invest in stocks because tax rates are changing. No, to me, I view taxes as a as a, a cost of business, cost of doing business, right? So, um, yeah, it sucks. That <laughs> more, I would have theoretically have to hand over more, um, but that's not going to change. Stop me from going out and finding great companies to invest in and investing in them. And really, you know, I mean, find great companies. If anything, maybe it encourages more buying and holding. You know, maybe it yep. encourages more diamond hands, Joe, right? You know, buy great companies, sit on them, forget about them, let them run. Yeah. So one of, I, I want to just kind of probe you a little bit further on this. So one of the concerns that, that I have, and this is, this is really just, just politics aside. Like I, I really, I'm, my concern is that if, if somebody, you know, the, the people who, who, let's let's face it have the most money in the markets and have the most kind of influence over price because you know volume affects price that these people who own gigantic positions in any stock doesn't matter are going to be less likely to sell because of this tax implication and it's going to kind of influence or change how the ultra wealthy trade their stocks, which then my concern is, this is the real concern, is that that has a, a trickle down effect where the price of the stock is much more horizontal, which yes, means less volatile, but also would theoretically mean fewer gains over time. I know this is a bit of a stretch, um, but there's there's a, well, you can are... certainly get low, low, less volume, right? I mean, yeah. theoretically, your transaction volume would decline, which is, you know, I mean, but brokers don't really make money on transactions anymore. They, well, I suppose maybe they threw backdoor ways, but not, not on direct commissions. So in theoretically, it could hurt or change behavior that way. The other, the other thing, observation that I would have, Joe, is just that if there's one thing that I've learned is that it is never to underestimate accountants and bankers. Okay, so uh, accountants, bankers, and insurers uh, oftentimes will find ways um, to deliver solutions for high net worth clients. And, you know, maybe that means some weird uses of derivatives to try and unlock some of those gains in a tax advantage manner. Maybe it means setting up companies in a different way and transferring assets that way. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff that I'm sure that a lot of people will try to do to avoid this level of taxation without still having uh, access to their money. But again, that assumes that this level of taxation is going to pass Congress, which again, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of. I'm very um, skeptical of that. Yeah, and at least in its current form. But I mean, I, again, for the vast majority of people, this is going to be a non-issue, not something. I mean, we all hope that think that where our incomes are going to be a million dollars plus every year. 
uh, it'd be a nice problem to have. Um, you know, so I, th I think that, you know, from an investor's standpoint, I wouldn't be worrying too much about it. I wouldn't be thinking too much about it. And I certainly wouldn't be buying or selling stocks uh, based on that. I can make a lot more money in great stocks um, by just investing in great stocks and, you know, let the taxes take care of themselves. When it's time yep. to sell, sell it and pay whatever the taxes at the time. When it's time to buy it, buy it and make as much money as you can in that trade. Um, I think when you start trying to trade based on things like changes to the tax code, then you're not, you're, you're, it's not the smartest way in my view to, to go about, um, planning your investment portfolio. Yeah. Unless maybe you're like Warren Buffett or something, but let's, let's face it. You and I both have a long way to get before we're at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm sure that he hires the best and the brightest and, you know, they would be hard at work just like everybody else is trying to figure out uh, the, the ways, the, the loopholes that would be created by any new regulation. Right. That's right. Um, That's and again, right. I mean, if we have some tax experts that are listening to the show that feel like chiming in with some thoughts on how, how people would do this or, or what people do now as far as managing their tax burdens, uh, feel free to hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really interesting discussion and debate. And yeah, we we'd love to love to hear some some other perspectives on that. So now I want to I want to get to your to your crazy mega smattering. But before you before you get going like Jim Kramer, I wanna I wanna ask I get you the about crazy hair. Exactly, yes about one stock in particular, you know, before you start running around the room and like picking up your bobbleheads or whatever Jim Cramer does. Um, so I, I want to, I want to ask you going back to our lumber conversation about lumber liquidators and what you think about them specifically right now. Yeah. You know, the, the stock actually broke down this week, Joe, trading now below the 200 day moving average, the 50 and the 21 day, both rolling over. Um, I'll actually share my screen again. We are uh, posting these on YouTube. So if you want to you see these charts, you can see them, but we can see lumber liquidators, just this flat line here, uh, and then breaking down below these support levels um, with a declining relative strength line. I mean, still got double digit growth, but I mean, 11% year over year, 14% eh, uh, expected in 2022. I mean, I think it's, it's a hold at best, Joe. What's interesting is that I wonder going back to that lumber, and this was one of the stocks I want to look at, you know, Trex very high scoring in our research, right? I wonder if wood alternatives, and again, I, you know, I'm sure that some amount of wood byproduct is used to, to make these things. I actually would need to, I need to research that more and figure out exactly what's involved in that. But yeah, you've got Trex that's bumping up against um, the top of its channel here, high scoring with nearly 40% year over year revenue growth in the December quarter. And um, you know, 18% 2022 EPS expectation. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. You know, that we are right into the beginning of um, earnings season, Joe. They're coming fast and furious. Furious. So I wanted to bring up a couple charts of interest um, based on those reports as well. I mean, we saw Snap <clears throat> report better than expected results. The stock was trading up, um, it's trading up 3% as of the time this was trading up a little bit higher, 66% uh, year over year revenue growth. And I think finally, Joe, the biggest knock against Snap has always been, yeah, but will they ever be able to turn a profit? And I think we're finally now at a point where we can look at those results and the projections going forward and say to ourselves, yeah, I think that you're going to have a point where they could reach break even and, and kind of build from here. Um, in that same space, 
high scoring would be Facebook. Symbol there, FB, revenue up 33% in the December quarter. Hard to believe that they're not gonna put up strong numbers with advertising revenue uh, this quarter as well. So I wanted to mention Facebook there. We also did get a report from Samuel Adams, Boston Beer Company, symbol there is SAM. Stock is flat right now, but it was up seven or eight percent earlier today. Reported 65% year-over-year revenue growth in the March quarter. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, and that's all truly, Joe. It's all truly, yeah. really. You know, beer sales are down because you know restaurant visitation is down, right? So, I mean, think about it. They're they're putting up this number with one hand tied behind their back, which is the restaurant business. So what happens when people start going back into restaurants and the drafts start getting pulled? Companies like Boston Beer should benefit. So if you extrapolate that out and look at other high scoring stocks, you've got Constellation Brands, which is best known for Corona. Corona also has a hard seltzer that was launched last year. Oh yeah, they all do. Yeah, which is the fourth best selling, I believe in 2020. So it'd be very interesting to see um, how the summer plays out for Constellation Brands. From our ADR report, free link below to get access to um, uh, all of our reports and best and worst lists. From our ADR best and worst list, Heineken, uh, which is actually rolling out hard seltzers in Europe, where hard seltzer, the hard seltzer market, Joe, is not nearly as penetrated and developed as it is in the United States. So they're making a bet that, hey, you know, European sales could really take off for this category. And that's a high scoring stock that um, people may be interested in owning uh, as well. So in that ADR best and worst report, just to start to go lightning round on us here, Joe, I also want to mention Sony as a high scoring stock that may be interesting. 15% um, year over year revenue growth in December quarter, 87% EPS growth expected in 2021. Great technical setup here with this cup and handle theoretically could be a good entry here. I also want to mention from that investment worst ADR report, Sanofi, the French drug developer, uh, recovered its 200-day moving average back at the beginning part of April, rosing up and is now retreating back towards the rising 21-day moving average. I think that there could be an interesting opportunity there. And also from the ADR best and worst report, Logitech, which Joe, I'm sure you're familiar with as gaming for computers and everything else, uh, makes a lot of the peripherals that are used uh, 85% year-over-year -year revenue growth in that December quarter. Um, going back to talking about commodities and lumber, I think that we really should be taking a look at, you know, some of the exchanges where these transactions and futures and, and options and everything else are being conducted. Um, Intercontinental Exchange, symbol there is ICE, I-C-E. 34% year-over-year revenue growth in the December quarter. Hard to believe that in the first quarter, you're not gonna see a tailwind uh, on that. I would also mention uh, the CME group is another one, futures exchange that scores pretty well in our research. Healthcare is starting to finally climb up the ranking in line with seasonality. Utilities, Joe, is at the top of the ranking, the large cap ranking for the first time in I don't know how long. That really that, came around, didn't it? Yeah, that does not last long. Historically, there is a pretty, there's a, there's a pretty fair amount of seasonality tied to utilities, but they are also mid and late cycle 
uh, type stocks, late cycle especially, because they're defensive, right? So the demand for utilities is inelastic. Um, you know, I'm not a huge buyer of utilities in general. I mean, investors could just go out and say, you know what, I'll take some of the XLU, which is the ETF, to try and hedge myself a little bit. But I wanted to mention that utilities are climbing in the best and worst sectors ranking in large cap. Um, in healthcare, which I started the conversation with, I pulled up a few different uh, stocks that are high scoring, might be interested. Abvi, which has a nice dividend yield as well. Uh, Abvi is, is one that you might want to consider adding to your watch list. I'd also pull up Gilead Sciences, which finally recovered its 200-day moving average, is retreating back down a little bit. But if it holds right around here, could rally off and be a good investment. Um, just going on from that a little bit, we heard about Peloton and some of the struggles Peloton had um, with um, you know warnings on the use of treadmills. Maybe that's a backdoor beneficiary of that is going to be Planet Fitness, right, Joe? P-L-N-T. And you can see that's retreating now back to the 21-day moving average. Um, if it holds here and starts to rally off of it, that could be a good entry point as well. PayPal, actually. I mean, we ignore some of these stocks because we assume everybody owns them by now. But some people may not own some of these stocks. I, I mean, don't. Yeah, pay, PayPal, if you've been waiting for an entry point, this is not a bad time to enter PayPal. Same thing holds for Amazon, both of which are high scoring in our best and worst large caps report um, and show pretty good technical setups. And then I guess maybe for just two more, Joe, um, <clears throat> guess GES in the clothing apparel uh, area scores very well for us and might be intriguing. And in the beverage area, FinTwit favorite, Celsius Holdings, um, which of course is one of those, you know, kind of, I'll call it an energy drink for less, of, less uh, for uh, something that I can't really think of otherwise. I mean, but, but they are starting to get their, um, their beverages in more stores. And, you know, the more stores that you have uh, in when you're in the growth phase, if you're a company like this, um, that's just a natural tailwind, obviously, as you know, more demand flows through from distributors, et cetera, for your product. Awesome. Well, that was one heck of a smattering, Todd. <laughs> Thank you for Hopefully that. a few good ideas for people to throw on their watch list. Gosh, just a few. So yeah, one last thing I want to mention before we sign off for the week, um, we have a new Discord server that we're just kind of uh, experimenting and tinkering with. Um, so if you if you have an account on Discord already, um, please feel free to join us. I will put a link in the in the show notes as well as in the YouTube description, uh, and I'm also going to be uh, tweeting about it fairly regularly, and I'll put it on our on our YouTube profile and our Twitter profile. Uh, so it'll be just a, a great place to just have some some casual idea sharing and Q and A. Um, Todd and I are both on there, and yeah, we look forward to getting a little a little bit of a community together, and we hope to see you there. So with that, uh, great show as always. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.